This episode is brought to you by PayPal's Small Business Bootcamp Series. You have to believe in what you're doing. If you don't believe in your product or your mission, you're going to fail. You really have to believe in it. When you put your heart and soul into something, there's a chance that it could fail and and not everyone's going to like it. My courses and my programs are not for everyone. And that's what I had to get used to going, you know what, this isn't for everybody and that's okay. Welcome to the Seize the Yay podcast. Busy and happy are not the same thing. We too rarely question what makes the heart sing. We work, then we rest, but rarely we play and often don't realise there's more than one way. So this is a platform to hear and explore the stories of those who found lives they adore. The good, bad and ugly, the best and worst day will bear all the facets of seizing your yay. I'm Sarah Davidson, or Spoonful of Sarah, a lawyer turned fun entrepreneur who swapped the suits and heels to co-found Matcha Maiden and Matcha Milk Bar. Seize the Yay is a series of conversations on finding a life you love and exploring the self-doubt, challenge, joy, and fulfillment along the way. Most of the time, I've had a bit of an introduction to our guest's story, or at least done a deep dive into the internet to put together the pieces in advance. Today's guest, however, was one of those fascinating beings whose story isn't readily documented in the media, meaning we're all hearing it for the first time together, literally. This was her first podcast ever. Having discovered Sarah as a self-taught gardener and having followed her in my patch page for over a year now, I've experienced her passion for growing your own food and making it more accessible firsthand, and originally planned this episode to be a bit of a practical first step for anyone like me keen to start growing some more veggies at home during lockdown. But as you know, I like to let the conversation go wherever it flows naturally. And Sarah's way to yay bowled me over, exemplifying everything about non-linear path yays and dot points that don't make sense until decades later. So we spent a lot more time on her story. So there is a section covering some gardening myths and beginner hacks, but there's also a beautiful story touching on grief and tragedy, striking serendipity, and two decades of piecing together her yay. I genuinely had no idea what was coming next in the story at each point and can't believe how much has come before her hugely successful chapter with In My Patch that now has nearly 100,000 followers and students growing blossoming gardens all over the world. I hope you enjoy getting to know Sarah and her pug pig as much as I did. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm super excited that you are having me. (laughs) I'm so excited that you're here. And like, this is one of those really exciting episodes where we've both followed each other's journeys for a really long time. And so to actually catch up now, having been there for, you know, well, not like literally together, obviously, (laughs) but having watched a lot of your journey unfold, it's it's just so exciting to actually be able to sit down and chat about it. And I hear that this is your very first podcast. So what a privilege. Oh, thank you. I'm super excited. I guess, you know, you've been following me, my journey for the last year, but I guess it started like a lot sooner than that, really. It's been about four years, maybe five years, I think. So wow. yeah, it's been, it's been quite a long time, actually. To get to this point where I am. Yeah. <laughs> and well, as you know, I'm just starting. Oh, you're just getting started. <laughs> yeah. But as you know, that's what I love showing about, you know, on this 
show is telling people's stories in a way that reminds everyone that it often looks like you just popped up at the stage that you are now with everything sorted and such a clear purpose and sense of direction, but it's always been years in the making that people just don't see. So I'm so excited to go right back to the very beginning and sort of trace through what led you to In My Patch and how you've grown this incredibly beautiful community. But to begin with, you know I start every episode by asking what the most down-to-earth thing is about you, just to break through that, you know, that exterior that we see on social media, although you're always (laughs) happy to get in the dirt and show the really relatable side of you. But if you had to choose something that was the most relatable, what would it be? Oh gosh, I had to decide like what how much do I share here? Because obviously <laughs> obviously I'm human, so you know, lots of things are down to earth. But I think one of the things that people probably wouldn't think of when they see see me online or, or see what I'm doing is that I actually have really terrible resting bitch face. <laughs> You do not. I do. I do. Honestly, it's terrible. And I combine it with staring at people. (laughs) It's awful. It's really awful. My husband actually nicknames me Stoneface. It's that bad. Like, it's like, stop staring at people. I'm like, oh, don't stare at people. So if I'm not talking or I'm not laughing, like my deadpan is really nasty. (laughs) I cannot even imagine that. To me, every time you pop up on my feed, it's like a ray of sunshine. You're like a sunbeam that just like beams out of my computer or my phone. I can't imagine you wear the with an RBF. Oh, terrible. It's really bad. I I would try and do it for you now, but I'm I'm in like talking in a yay mode. I'm in a yay mode. I would love (laughs) But um, <laughs> that's like so I, interesting. Yeah, if I see somebody that looks interesting, if I'm out in public or a beautiful woman, and I'm admiring them, I'll stare at them. But then with RBF, oh my gosh, that's fascinating. That's a really good one. I also know that you have a pug called Pig, which I also think really deserves mentioning right up front because that's pretty amazing. So that's kind of like her stage name, I guess, that she's um, (laughs) (laughs) Pig is her stage name because she developed a terrible habit of stealing veggies out of the garden. So Pig's not her real name. It's her her veggie garden name. Oh, my gosh. That's so cute. You're such a stage mum. Stage. Like, that's her diva name. That's not her yeah. real name. Well, it's a pretty <laughs> terrible diva name. I don't need know any divas named Pig. But. <laughs> well, now I know one now. Yeah. <laughs> She's the real star of the show for sure. <laughs> I'm really hoping she makes an appearance at some point in this episode. Pugs are really, their breathing is so loud. So I'm sure we'll be able to hear it at some point. She's actually come to sit by my feet. So it's just a, a moment in time she'll probably want to come and sit on me I'm sure oh my gosh do you know uh, before Paul both Nick and my like dogs before Paul before we were together were pugs really yeah a a secret pug lover yeah both little fawn pugs I had Katie and he had Archie how crazy oh wow Yeah, I I love pugs. It is personality plus and they're so naughty. I don't know if yours is naughty. naughty. Yes, so so naughty. naughty. But they're so cute that you can't even get angry because they just look at you with those little googly eyes and you're like, oh, you're just a button. Yeah, (laughs) they're definitely cuddly dogs for sure. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, let's kick off your way, TA, which, as we mentioned, is going back to very young Sarah and all the sort of earlier things that might have indicated what you thought you wanted to be and the ideas of your future back then and then tracing through all the different twists and turns that life takes to sort of lead you to where you are today just to remind everyone that yeah nothing happens without a lot of tangents a lot of two steps forward one step back and a lot of surprises along the way so what were you like as a kid what were your first jobs and what did you think you wanted to be oh I was thinking about this and I was I'll just share first off that there's been so many like little clues for me along the way that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but I didn't realize it at the time and things that I enjoyed, but I just didn't, I just didn't know. But as a kid, to answer your question, as a kid, I was definitely shy. I was a little like really skinny, shy shy kid, (laughs) not really like that fantastic at school. I was definitely like an average to below average student, but I didn't really try very hard in school. My dad would often say, you know, if you just applied yourself, (laughs) if you just applied yourself, you would do a lot better. But I just, I didn't really apply myself in school. That's for sure. As for what I wanted to do, I really was one of those people that had no clue. I had like no clear direction. You know, you meet people that are like, yes, I want to be a doctor. I want to I did want to be a ballerina, but that was never going to happen. (laughs) That was probably the one thing to be a ballerina. But I never really had a clear direction like right up until I realised this is what I wanted to do. So I've sort of just kind of gone with the flow a lot. And so I was one of those kids that does like like the vocational ed. So you do like more instead of doing – I don't know what it's called now, but instead of doing HSC or this is how old I am back when it was called (laughs) HSC or TE when you do your exams and you go to uni, that that wasn't my path. I went down the like the work experience route. So when they asked me what it was that I wanted to do work experience in, my first response was something outside. So I said something outdoors you know, maybe something with plants. I I remember, so I was about 15 or 16, something with plants. But what they did is they set me up with the council, like the city council. And so, you know, I know. Not exactly outside. No, no, not at all. And I remember ringing the workplace up and saying, oh, you know, what what do I need to bring? And they're like, oh, make sure you bring your smoko. And I'm like, um, <laughs> I'm 15. Mistake. What have I done? Mistake. 15. And I actually didn't go. I went, I don't feel comfortable. Yeah, I didn't feel wow. comfortable being a young girl and, and spending the day with blokes. That's what the position they put me in. And I was like, yeah, nah. So I said to my teacher, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, I didn't go. I didn't feel comfortable. And then they sent me to like a nursery to work at, do work experience. And they, they spent me having the whole day weeding. It was so boring. I was like, no, I enjoyed being outside. It was relaxing. I really liked it. It was so boring. So that wasn't for me. Then I decided I wanted to be a phys ed teacher. So, wow. Yes, I was going to go do phys ed and I actually went to TAFE and studied sports development to become like a coach or some kind of a coach or do something like um, either with kids or coaching or in sport. And the weird thing about that looking back 
part of that is doing you know obviously you do athletes do interviews so you do part of that as media and one of the things we needed to do was go into a studio under the lights and full camera gear and interview an athlete and I loved it I was like not nervous I was really good on camera like all these things that were pointing me like you know you're comfortable in front of the camera but I didn't realize it at the time and I didn't put those bits the puzzle together till like 20 years later wow yeah so that sort of I always knew there were clues, but I never got here. Like I'm just here now going, oh, I'm working <laughs> it with It all makes sense. And, and I love the camera. Like, <laughs> yes, it makes sense. In way of journey, I didn't actually end up finishing that course. My high school sweetheart died in a car accident. So Sarah. Yeah. So that was an awful time. I was 20 at the time. And oh so my gosh. I didn't finish. So that route, I was two months from finishing that course and I just <gasps> couldn't go. I didn't finish it, couldn't go. So I ended up heading up north, as you do, <laughs> with my grief, with my grief in my suitcase. And I went up north and I spent six months working at the pub. So I was working at a pub. And I would spend all day just at the beach on my own, really, like spending the days on my own. And I did have some friends up there. So I spent time with friends, working through my grief, really not doing much at all. And then the weirdest thing happened. I moved home um, six months later and one of my girlfriends was still up there and she found a picture of me from the paper. So I'd been in the newspaper up north and she'd cut a picture of me out and it was back then we didn't have smartphones we didn't didn't really you had to cut out a newspaper clipping (laughs) (laughs) cut out the newspaper clipping send it in it's in the snail mail because you know back then we didn't use email like email you only used email for work you didn't really like send stuff to each other there was no social media so I got this snail mail and I opened it and there's this picture of me And then on the back was these jobs, like the job section for up north. And one of the jobs on the back was for an activities coordinator at an aged care home. And I showed my mum. I was like, oh, look how weird. There's jobs on the back. And she goes, you loved it up there. Like maybe you should apply for it. (sighs) And so I was like, oh, that's weird. I had no skills, like never worked in aged care before, never had any experience, applied for this job. I thought, oh, this would be fun. Like I get so naive. (laughs) (laughs) I'll smash this. (laughs) Yeah, like I I had visions of like playing bowls with the oldies and like (laughs) arts and crafts. And I thought, oh, this will be like, I'll go back up there, like do fun activities with, with elderly people and like happy days. So I applied for this job, got a phone interview, and then it turns out it wasn't the job for an activities coordinator. It was for an assistant coordinator for the entire place. Oh. So like, yes, up up a whole nother notch. So <laughs> I got the job. Oh, I don't <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how. I guess they liked me. It was meant to be. I, I was meant to get this job. 
So I applied for the job assistant coordinator. So that's how I got my foot in community services, which is my adult background. I spent the last 10, 15 years working in community services. So working in mental health, aged care, disability, all of that. The the weirdest thing is, so I got this job, zero experience. I'm all of a sudden like coordinating staff, managing staff, zero experience. (laughs) Supporting people with their care needs, zero experience. And it was like an apprenticeship, (laughs) just learning, just had to wing it. I just by fire, (laughs) winged it it by fire, sink or swim, I swam. But it's where I met my husband, which (gasps) is so weird. Yeah, so he worked at the same company. So how is it? Get a clipping in the newspaper. It's got jobs on the back. You apply, get a job that you're not at all got the credentials for and meet your husband. It's so weird, isn't it? It is so weird. And this is why I have this endless fascination for and trust in the universe Yeah, because it conspires to make yes. things happen like this to help I you agree. find yes. who you are, even through all, uh, you know, a lot of weird diversions that at the time you're like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I in a pub up north? And why, why am I in the council taking smokos? But they all lead you to the decisions that end up, you know, some people take that very linear pathway of waking up as a child knowing they want to be a doctor and they go to medical school and then they become a doctor. But most of us go this way of not knowing and the weird way, (laughs) the weird way. But I think the weird way is the normal way, you know, like dipping your toe in random things and having no idea how it's going to make sense later. And the more I hear these stories, the more it gets me excited that other people listening will be validated in worrying maybe that they don't know where they want to go, but trusting that it will work out. You can get a newspaper clipping and just meet your husband. <laughs> yes. Well, wait till you wait till you hear how I found in my patch because that's even more serendipity. That's just it's like gives me goosebumps when I think about it. This is a long story, isn't it? No, but <laughs> it's the best. It's so fascinating, and it's also such a privilege that it's the first time you've told it in this forum you know, at this, in this amount of detail. And it just makes me so excited. I'm like you, because I think also when you come into a chapter, like in my patch, you just, you do assume that you've had, you grew up on a farm or you had parents who were interested in gardening or you had horticultural, you know, I don't know, friends or something that makes it obvious that that's what you would do. But now hearing the enormous amount of like a roller coaster to get here. You have oh so much God. more connection and attack. Like it's even, oh, I don't know how to explain it. My heart is beaming for everything in my patch now, knowing this is what it took to get there. Oh, I'm not finished. I haven't even got. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even got to like the hardest part, like the breakdown part, and, and <gasps> yeah, like work stress and all that. But I'll just see we're on the serendipity path. So how I found my house, which is now being converted into in my patch and, and it's where my garden is and where everything is. 
we got kicked out of our rental two weeks before we were getting married. Oh. We got married. In, we're getting married in Bali, and we got said, you know, we, we've decided we're not going to renew the lease. We thought it was going to be renewed, so we had to move all our stuff out into storage. And then we we went overseas, got married, and we we're like, what are we like? Can't just find a rental like that. And we're like, what are we going to do? So we're like, we'll house it. We'll just house it. And so I lined up all these different house sits and for about a year and a half, we house sat. And one of the last house sits we had was for a three month period. And my mum came to visit and we were just in the backyard pottering and we looked over the fence and through the bushes was this like little cottage. And I was like, I, I don't know why, but I hadn't seen it or anything. I just peeked, it was so overgrown. It was like thick bush peek free there was like a little veranda and it was like looked super cute I was like just randomly if this ever came for sale I'd buy it (laughs) bugger me two weeks later we moved out and the out of that house sit and the owners came back and we sort of had the conversation I was like oh the house next door is so cute like anyway they rang and said it's it's for sale like stop yes do you want to come and have a have a look at it you know, the old lady's gone into a home. She's looking to sell. So we did uh, bypass all the real estates. We were the first ones interested. And just from me peeking through a little hole from a house sit next door, it's so weird. But my brain is exploding. Who is writing the movie of this story also? <gasps> I need to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sarah, wow. So we move, we organise to buy it, we move in. At this point, I'm working full-time in community as a coordinator, so coordinating supports for people. And when you spend a lot of time in community services, it is a really exhausting job. It's, It's really stressful. It's one of the most, probably one of the most underpaid jobs. You know, anyone who works in community who's supporting the most vulnerable people you know, they do an amazing job and they they really don't get paid probably what they, they deserve with the amount of just so much that you put into caring for other people and that they're not your they're not your family, they're not your friends, they're members of the community. And so I had been in working in community services for like oh, it must have been about ten years at that point. I was so burnt out. It was an hour and a half round trip to work every day. And oh, that in itself. I know that's so that's such a normal thing, like with peak hour traffic and, and so forth. But this was like a a hundred kilometer round trip. So it's oh my it was gosh. a long way from home. And it was extremely stressful. It I wasn't happy working there. I spent like two weeks in bed with headaches. So I was like total breakdown mode. I was crying all the time I was just at my wits end and my husband said you know like just quit like just quit and it will be okay and so I did I quit and I had to find another job obviously but the the second job that I got was far less stressful still in community but only part-time which gave me some time to start my veggie garden so then yeah, I started just with a couple of beds and I loved it. It was so good for my well-being, like stress relief, like come home after a busy day of work and instead of like grabbing a wine and 
like doing all those bad <laughs> things, the things that aren't that healthy, going and watering the garden or just being in nature and getting my hands in the dirt and just having a bit of peace did wonders. Obviously, I found my passion, which was growing food. And when I finally got to the point of eating my own food, I was like, oh my God, people are missing out. And then that's what I wanted to inspire people to grow food because people were missing out on how good food tastes when you grow your own. So that's sort of where it started. Oh my gosh. That, was- that is the coolest story I've heard in a long time. So that was you are way. a remarkable woman. That was a long way to the yay, hey? That wasn't <laughs> a five-minute way to yay. That was a long way to the yay. But they always are and that's the thing there's never been a short one because no one really does just get to the end goal straight away and the journey is always so full of color and texture and also a lot of challenge and adversity I mean you've had like two at least major like either periods of big grief which is quite an emotional kind of breakdown of your ability to cope with life and then a physical breakdown from burnout and like I think you wouldn't wish for those things to happen but they also form you know where you end up and I just I I find the storytelling so so interesting because all of those little bits like form the the jigsaw pieces of your puzzle and have led to where you are now it just makes me so excited to to also share like what I found is my passion that I get excited to share with other people is to remember everyone has a jigsaw puzzle and all the pieces fall together when they're going to fall together. You can't force them. You can't rush them. Totally. Sometimes you just need to like be okay with the bad. Like I'm a big believer of that. When bad things happen, it's leading you to somewhere that's going to be better in the long run. Like you're, you're going to get to a better place eventually. It's definitely, definitely hasn't been easy and and it didn't just, I didn't just wake up one day and go, I want to inspire people to grow food. It's happened from all the, like what you said, all the adversity. And like I said earlier on, the inklings were there, but it wasn't until 20 years later that I went outside growing food, I guess also like helping other people, I guess, I don't know, like helping other people to grow food is sort of I don't know, a little snippet of community. I'm not sure. Yeah, you have grown a community. Yeah, I love my community, my community of beginner gardeners. I love it so much. It makes me so happy. And then who would, I would never have thought that a business would have formed from a hobby. Yes. So my hobby, start my garden, love it. Wanted to inspire people to grow food. And then over the last couple of years, as I got more confident in the garden and more confident in what I was doing, I was like, I can actually help people. I can make this easier for people. That's where I'm at now, making it easier for people to grow food. We got there in the end, Sarah. I don't know about you guys, but I get such a rush of motivation and energy to keep learning and upskilling when I hear from our guests each week. If you're feeling the same, I am so thrilled to share that I'm hosting a free small business bootcamp series presented by our partner in Yay, PayPal. Putting some incredible guests, connections and targeted tools at your disposal from the comfort of your own home. There are three webinars in the series so far, optimizing your online strategy for sales, which we've 
already had, but it is still online for you to go back and catch up. It blew me out of the water. I took so much away from our panellists, so make sure you go and have a watch. Social media strategy for small businesses, the topic we all want to know about. And thirdly, buy now, pay later, exploring the future of payments. Pop September 23rd and October 21st for those remaining two in your calendars. And I've included the link to register in the show notes. One giant silver lining of the past year or so has been getting access to some of the cleverest minds and their wisdom without having to go anywhere. So don't miss the chance to take advantage while you can. Hopefully see you there, neighborhood. Well, I can't wait to get into In My Patch and all of the benefits of growing at home, your step-by-step program. One of my favorite things is the Garden Morons Club because I definitely feel like a garden moron. But before we get there, as you know, we kind of touch on NATA as a separate section, but I think before we get into the really practical side, it makes sense to weave a bit of the NATA from the story part first. Just for anyone, and only if you're comfortable speaking about it, but for anyone listening who has either faced grief or loss, particularly in the last 18 months to two years, I think a lot of people are facing the loss of expectation or the loss of connection or the loss of relationships or other kinds of big emotional trauma. And also people are facing rebuilding their identity so like after your physical breakdown leaving a job or leaving a set of circumstances that cost you your peace or that really compromise your well-being both of those things are kind of quite topical themes at the moment and you've rebuilt yourself twice and probably more times in in smaller instances is there any advice you have for in the immediate how you come out of those phases and how you rebuild yourself because I think it's clear now kind of how you would cope because you've done all the work, but in the healing phase or the self-doubt phase or the fear phase or just the complete depletion phase, how do you get through? How do you put one foot in front of the other? Oh, that's such a good question. You know, looking back, like it is a little bit of a blur, to be honest. It all feels like a little bit of a blur. I guess it's just showing up, showing up every day and it gets easier. So things do get easier with time. Everything gets easier with time. And I guess it's being kind to yourself as well, surrounding yourself with people who are really there for you and don't waste your time with people who are not. I learned that really early on, like really early on. When terrible things happen, you really know who's there for you at the end of the day. And I definitely lost like a lot of friends in my early 20s when I was going through grief because they weren't real friends. They didn't know how to deal with me in that in that time. Yeah. So surround yourself with people who who are going to be there for you, really. Yeah. 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 That's such a such a great piece of advice. I think we all often put a lot of pressure on ourselves to just like get it together ourselves and not phone a friend and lean on those around you, particularly if you're you know quite independent or you don't want to feel like a burden. But you have to lean on your support network for sure. Definitely, and and I guess do things that bring joy. Find your yay and do things that, that <laughs> you know even if you are miserable in that time, trying to find or do things, and they might not feel joyful at the time, like you know. Like I love going to the beach and and when you're miserable, even going to the beach doesn't necessarily bring you joy, but it's more joyful than laying on the couch. So keeping doing things that you love and try not to lose, lose those things. Yeah. 
That's what I would say. Beautiful. (laughs) No, I think that's great advice and particularly calling out the fact that doing those things might not actually feel good at the time because nothing is going to feel good, but it still is doing more for you than not investing in those, you know, little moments and just staying inside. And in terms of now moving back towards In My Patch and the nativity of sort of doubt and comparison as you were starting to put yourself out there and build a community in something, again, that you were self-taught in. I mean, you'd already done it once with taking over this huge role that you didn't actually think you were applying for. How have you managed the doubt or like, you know, just that like vulnerability hangover of when you actually like put a business out there and then you're like, ah, oh my God, what if it fails? What do people hate it? Like as you tell the story of how it actually became a business, can you weave a little bit of the self-doubt chat in there? Totally. (laughs) I guess like when when I first started growing food, I mentioned that... I, I wanted to inspire people and I, I guess it just started, I was bombarding my friends and family with my veggie garden pictures and no one cared, no one was interested. I was like, check out my cauliflower and they're like, no likes, no, cool. yeah, yeah, awesome, exciting life you're living. And then I, I discovered the gardening community over on Instagram. There, it was very small back then. It's much bigger. It's much more popular now. But four or five years ago, you know, it was pretty niche. There wasn't many people. And it was quite a, like a tight kind of community over there. It was really nice. Everyone was so friendly and well. It was, it was really sweet, actually, a lot of sweet people. And so I just started, yeah, sharing photos because back then Instagram was just photos. So I just started sharing. And then as I got more confident they introduced stories. So then I started, you know, sharing more stories and getting my face on there a little bit. I think for the first year and a half, I didn't show my face at all on my page. And then I guess as I guess it started to grow, like more people were interested in it and people were asking questions. I'd get a lot of questions about my garden. I started sharing more video footage. And then once I guess I started aligning myself with with brands. So I, I do have like a really small handful of, of brands that I work with where I do make an income. I guess that's when I thought, wow, like I can actually do this as a job. I could do this as a job. And so over the last few years, that's sort of how it's morphed. But I guess what, what was the main, I guess what the main part was, was when I decided I wanted to do my first ebook, which was a couple of years ago now. And that came from going, gardening books are hard. Like why, <laughs> why do they make it sound so hard? And so I kind of had this moment where I want, I want to make it easier. Like I just want to make it easy yeah. for beginners. And I think I sold it for like eight bucks. My first ebook was $8, popped it up. And definitely that self-doubt of going like, what if it's shit? Like what if my- what if it's shit? What if my information is wrong? What if I'm wrong? What if everything I know about growing food, like what if I'm telling people the wrong stuff, like all the self-doubt? And then you just have to back yourself in. You have to believe in what you're doing. If you don't believe in your your product or your your mission, like you're going to fail. You really have to believe in it because otherwise you just get crippled by self-doubt because it's it's there. And you know, to be honest, I probably even went like when I first launched my membership, so the Garden Morons Club, which I love, it's my favorite. I grappled, I grappled with the name, the name Garden Morons Club. 
Um, it's the best. I was like, people are people going to be offended? Are people going to be offended? You know, is this bad? This is probably really bad marketing, like all of it. But I wanted to call it that. And this is part of backing yourself in. I wanted to call it that because one of the things I used to share was my mistakes in the garden. And I used to call them garden moron moments. So I was like, oh, like garden moron moment, like this failed, that failed, like this is died, whatever. So it made sense to me that I was going to call it the garden morons club. But it was scary. Definitely. I remember my first doing my first live, my first Facebook live. Do you know I had to set up a Facebook account to do the live because I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> yes. I had to set up a special one just for my customers because I, I'm not on Facebook. So I'm being so terrified. Like, yeah, it's so interesting when you put your heart and soul into something, there's a there's a chance that it could fail and, and not everyone's going to like it. You know, my courses mm. and my programs are not for everyone. If you're a professional gardener, you're going to hate my stuff. But if you're a <laughs> beginner, if you're a beginner, you're going to love it. It's really going to help you grow food. And that's what I had to, I had to get used to, to that going, you know what, this isn't for everybody and that's okay. You know, people, it, you just kind of, you've got to not care what, what other people think mm. to an extent. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the idea that remembering that you're never going to please everyone, but all you need to please is your target market. And if you're pleasing them, who cares? Like you're not aiming at experienced not, gardeners. That's no, not what you're offering. And I love, yeah, I love that reminder that, you know, someone out there is looking for exactly what you're offering and you just need to, push through the doubt and trust that, you know, it could go badly, but it could go really well. And look yeah. how well it's gone. I'm sure you never expected yes. it would grow to what it has and no, continues to do. No, that's like I often say, if you had asked me, you know, five years ago that I would be on your podcast, Sarah, you're going to be doing podcasts <laughs> and you're going to have a community and you're going to be doing live streams and you're going to be making courses. Like I would never have believed you. I, that was not on the cards. I just sort of followed. It was almost like a natural progression, but the passion is there. I really want to help people to yeah. grow food. I think everybody can grow something and you don't have to grow like the supermarket. I grow a bit of a supermarket. <laughs> you don't have to. Just like one or two things. Start with just a few things yes. and then you can share it. So if you've got a friend who's going to grow cucumbers and tomatoes and you guys are going to grow zucchinis and beans or whatever and then you can you're gonna have a glut you're gonna have a lot of food and you can swap so you don't oh that's a great yeah, idea you, like a club your own little friends club yeah <laughs> your own little garden morons club yeah in the house <laughs> you can oh my gosh let's move to the practical stuff then so how do you start I think that's a great point of saying you can start with one or two veggies you don't have to go straight to like every single item that you ever eat maybe start with like what are the easiest plants to start with oh do you know what I thought you were gonna ask me this this is something that lots of people ask they're all they're all about the same really Oh, yes and no. So lots of people will say growing greens is the easiest. Growing lettuce and greens is the easiest. 
but actually it's probably the ones that people start with and they fail because they miss the fundamentals, which are really easy to get right, like soil and planting them at the right time of year and water. That that sounds easy, but if you don't know those things, it's the same amount of difficult as growing cucumbers. So right. I think they're all they're all pretty easy once you know like just the fundamentals. That's that's all you need to know really. But I will say carrots are hard. Carrots are the hardest. So if you're a beginner. Are they really? Yeah, carrots are super tricky to grow. They're very particular. They're like really sandy soil, not too much poo at all and lots of water but and lots of sunshine. But they, they can go all right. funky. They're really difficult to grow. So avoid carrots. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, that's good. If you join me, join my – like this is not meant to be a salesy thing at all. I'm not trying to sell you at all. Honestly. If you're a beginner gardener, like my course is going to help you grow or my Garden Morons Club will help you grow food. There's a lot to get right. And the reason I wanted to create them is because I don't want people to give up. Like people try and grow food. It's very easy to give up and they just need to get a few things right. And then you'll be able to grow whatever you want, really. Yeah. So what are the biggest mistakes that you see? Is it the time of year? Because actually a question we had, so I I put out a little thing saying, does anyone have any particular questions? And one of them was, when is the best time to plant things? And I, I imagine timing would be a big mistake. What are the other kind of big mistakes? And then how do you, you figure out what the best time is? Is it like seasonal or yeah, how do you work it yeah. out? Yeah. So definitely the biggest mistakes people make is growing food at the wrong time. So lettuce is a good one. We want to eat lettuce. We we think that's a summer thing, salads, lettuce. Lettuce actually grows better in cooler, in the cooler weather, and it's not actually good for summer, which sucks because you want to eat lettuce in summer, but you would in summer grow things like cucumbers instead. So swap out your lettuce for cucumbers or beans or tomatoes, zucchinis, things like that grow really well in summer. So definitely right right time of year is a big one. And the way... I like to try and keep it simple. It's just putting them in cool weather veggies and warm weather veggies. So I think there's a list on my blog, I think, of warm weather and cool weather veggies. And that's the easiest way I find to separate them just for ease, really. Mm, Right. What about someone asked the best veggies that will grow in pots on small balconies? So if you're in a place where you can't build your own patch in a yard, but you do still want to through the garden more on stage <laughs> what are some that might be you know easy in a smaller space yes you can create anything in a pot as long as it's a, the really? right size pot so it's choosing the right size pot for your plant I actually do have a section on growing in courtyard gardens in my course which will be helpful if you're in a small space there's like a, a special section on small space growing so you can grow anything like even corn so <laughs> you can grow anything that's so interesting I think this is why it's so interesting because just breaking down these ideas yeah. as well that we have about like you need a farm you need a huge backyard like I think those are the barriers that no. stop people trying because they're like oh no. I live in an apartment I'm never gonna have a veggie yeah. patch that's so cool no, you can have big pots just a couple of big pots I um actually have a video that I did that was how much you can grow in just one meter like I have a one meter bed and I squeezed in corn beans cucumber tomatoes zucchini and basil 
all in a one meter space. So obviously the only thing is if you're in a small space, you've got two options. You can either grow a lot of a few things. So you might just grow two things and grow bulk or you grow a little bit of a lot of things, but you're not going to have like a glut of food to eat. So that that's the only thing with a small space is that, yeah, one thing and, and harvest a lot or grow lots of things and harvest a little of everything. Right. Oh, my gosh. And what about the – I think one of the <laughs> memes going around is about how, yay, I wanted to grow my own kale, but then like the amount of kale that you eat per day, it would take you – months and months to grow that. <laughs> like you spend all this time growing it and then you just eat it all in one day. How do you kind of get into your cycle of growing time to eating? Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's on demand. <laughs> yeah. So really, so say, let's use kale, for example, kale can grow for like years. So you can have the one kale plant and if you feed it well, and it's in the right kind of environments and it's thriving kale can get like meters tall and be like almost like a kale tree they get huge but they need like really good soil and really good food to do that but in way of having food on demand I guess it's it's trying to not plant everything at once so if I've got say a one meter space and I want to grow just lettuces and greens I would try and plant, say, um, six lettuces this week and then six lettuces next week and just try and spread them out and don't plant that whole space all at once. (laughs) Try and, like, not be greedy (laughs) and want to plant everything. It's really hard, actually, because you don't want to see bare soil. You want to see it full and and beautiful. But if you want a constant supply. Oh, my gosh, this is all so interesting. (laughs) What are some of the videos that you've done for anyone who's sort of interested in getting started or even just learning more about the courses? One of the ones you did that I thought was really interesting was a blind tasting video to see if you could tell the difference between homegrown and supermarket bought. The other one you mentioned was, you know, about the one meter. Like are there any other kind of, you know, key entry-level videos to sort of show what you do? Yeah, so there's a lot on my page. There are some on soil. I try and be as informational as possible. Of course, yeah. <laughs> we don't want you to give the whole course. Away. And I don't want to upset my customers either who, who, are, who are paying paid to do the course. But I have lots of tips on my page from soil or what to plant when, spacing, how to deal with pests. There's all sorts on there. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say are the things that people are continually surprised about, like newcomers to your course? that just blows their mind. Like even the fact that, I don't know, the colour change in certain plants or just things that people don't know until they're into it, like until they have their own patch. (laughs) That's a really good question. I'm going to say how good the food tastes. If you haven't tasted food fresh from the garden, like our food (laughs) from the supermarket is so sad. It is. I hate it so much. And, and I know it's what we're used to. We're used to eating it. We don't really think anything of it. We think yeah. cucumbers are supposed to taste this way, um, <laughs> but they're actually gross. <laughs> the ones you grow at home, they're going to be so crunchy like and sweeter and, and just like not floppy. Not like, floppy. <laughs> you would have seen in the taste test video, like me turning my nose up at my strawberry. Like I looked at that video after you said, oh, you did a taste test video. And I had a look at it. I was like, oh, my God, that was ages ago. So I had a look at it. I was like, my face. 
I was like, I looked repulsed. Your I'm like, RBF came right out. He eats a strawberry out. and looks repulsed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's so interesting. And so does the program, like, like do they have different time periods? Is it an ongoing membership or do you have like courses that start at a particular time and then go through for a certain amount of weeks? Like how is it structured? Yeah. So my two main ones, so my Garden Morons Club, which is my membership. So that's like a a monthly, a monthly thing. And you follow along with me in the garden each week. And I go live each week for, I call it wine time, but it's basically like a live Q and A. But I always have a wine. Nice. So I call it wine time. And my course, my Grow Your Patch course, it was a year in the making and it's six months long and that feels like a long time, but it's because it's filmed week by week so you can't fail. So or you've got less chance of failing. Any kind of course that you do in growing food is going to be like a like a six-week course or a two-week course or a three-month course. But the thing is, most of our food or a lot of our food takes longer can take longer to grow than than that and you're gonna they're gonna tell you all this information yeah. you're not gonna be able to like retain it to actually implement it whereas with mine it's week by week and it's just a few steps each week for you to do so it's manageable if you work full-time I've had people do it who work full-time and still manage to grow veggie garden so they're the two kind of options really so the course is you do it in your own time and it's suitable for for anybody around the world. Obviously, I have I have customers all around the world, and their oh, start times are different depending on where you live. So, my customers in America will be starting the course in like March, April next year. Whereas, if you're in Australia, like now's a great time to start it because we're just coming into spring. So it's a spring summer course, really. You learn how to grow spring and summer veggies in a small space. So it's only in two beds. So you only need, or or a courtyard, it includes a courtyard as well, but you only need a really small space, like two, two meter beds. And we grow like 10 different things. So wow, they're both different. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Oh, I just... It makes me, nothing makes me happier than seeing someone who's found their yay and then is able to share that with other people and how excited they get. Like your face when you're doing your videos is so excited. Like your passion for what you're doing just jumps out so clearly. I love it so much. Thank (laughs) you. You know, when people ask you what you do and you're like, oh, you know, I, I grow food or whatever, it's like people think gardening's boring or for old people. Like I don't, I don't think I'm old. I'm not old, hey. No, <laughs> no. I'm young. No. <laughs> but I think you're doing a lot to change that perception as well. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of a lot of younger people growing food, especially with COVID and being home more. So, and I guess like all that craziness with the supermarkets, like last year, kind of. Yeah. It frightened. I think it frightened a lot of people. And the thought of being able to go shopping in your garden is a little more appealing these days than yeah. shopping at the shops. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, the very last section is your play TA, which when you do what you love and love what you do, gets a little bit blurry. But I also think it's really important to have some joys that aren't related to work so that your brain can get some distance and some downtime. So were there any sort of 
hobbies or things you do that, you know, make you forget what time it is? Oh, you know, other than gardening. Yes. Yeah, so or is it just gardening? <laughs> that's so hard. I mean, I I've got my business training wheels on. So I'm only just trying to put my boundaries in now because there was a time where I was like didn't have a like didn't have space to have time off or didn't have time off social media. Mm. I'm only just sort of like dipping my toe and going, oh, it's actually really nice to have a day off social media or it's nice to have do other things. So I love a pamper. Yes, <laughs> give myself a little me pamper. too. <laughs> I love to have a nice like soak and do a little facial and like I like to do that. I love so the nice. beach, anything outside like paddle boarding or spending the day at the beach. I could spend the day at the beach easily. If I have some shade, yeah. as long as I have shade <laughs> and food, I could spend the day at the beach. <laughs> you take your little veggies to the beach for a little outing. Yeah, take my snacks. <laughs> also, puzzles. Oh, beautiful. Puzzles are good. I love Jigsaw puzzles. Puzzles are good. So meditative. Totally. You get right in the zone. That's a definitely a good time. Forget your time when you're doing a puzzle for sure. Yeah, for sure. Second last question. What are three interesting things about you that don't normally come up in conversation? Which considering this is your first podcast, it's pro- probably everything that you've said today. <laughs> but are there any that don't like your friends wouldn't know or like weird, like sleepwalking or anything quirky? Mm, I can speak a little bit of Thai. I know you speak a lot of languages. Oh, I know- Thai? Yeah. Do you speak Thai? No, I can oh, thank I swear God. To God is like all I can say. Oh yeah. It's extremely, extremely it's limited, but would be enough to like get by, like just Wow. Yes. That's cool. So that That's such a random language. Did you yeah. live there for did you spend some time in Thailand? I've spent a lot of time in Thailand. My dad lives over there. So Wow. Yeah, so I've been to Thailand about maybe five times. So yeah, nice. I can speak a little bit, but I don't know when I'm getting back there anytime soon. Oh, I know, but that's so cool. Oh my God, that's a really good one. Yeah. So well, I think your language repertoire is huge, isn't it? <laughs> you can speak heaps of languages. I just, they're my yay. Like languages oh, really? just do something to my brain. Oh, yeah, always wow. since I was really young. Since primary school, I've always studied two and then at uni three. They're just. Wow. I don't know what it is. I think it's, I think it's because I'm so fascinated by humanity and the human condition that the way that a language structure reflects a way that a culture thinks about the world, and then what you can learn from learning to converse with other people. I don't know. It's and it's all kind of a puzzle as well, like putting all the bits together. I don't know. It just yeah, it's my yay. Makes me so excited. Like if I could go back to uni and not have to pay hex for every course I did and not do the exams. I'd just learn languages. Wow. If that was a job, I'd just do it. <laughs> like a translator. Yeah, but I, I feel like I wouldn't necessarily want to do anything with it. I oh, just want to learn. You just want to learn it. Just so I can speak. Have it in, like, have yeah. it in your bank. <laughs> yeah, not necessarily like help people translate documents, but just know how to understand. I don't know. It's so weird. <laughs> I think it's cool. It's definitely, it's definitely a skill, but it's one of those things that once – once you learn it, it's it's in there. Yeah. And once you learn one 
and get used to the patterns. I feel like you can see those patterns in other languages, even when the pattern changes. Like it, it's your brain can kind of, it's hard to explain, but I love them. It's like I'll go to a country and then spend a couple of days figuring out the block, the building blocks, and then it'll just click and I'll be able to have a conversation. No, it's so cool. That is a gift. I mean, not, I mean, not like a proper deep conversation. <laughs> but. You're reciting the dictionary. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's incredible. That's a skill. That is a talent or a gift. <laughs> oh, that, <laughs> that's lovely of you. <laughs> uh, and very last question, what's your favourite quote? Oh, I was going to say something super cheesy. Cheesy's great. You know me, I'm cheese town. <laughs> like the grass is greener where you water because obviously I'm a gardener. <gasps> but That's the best. But I feel like it's so true and I think it's something that I've learned from neglecting, we didn't get to touch on this, but neglecting a lot of other stuff in my life because of in my patch and because of like building the business and letting a lot of like, you know, like falling down maybe in my relationships to focus on the business. So you got to water, you got to find time to water a little bit of everything that's important to you. So I'm trying to learn to (laughs) give equal amounts of water to things to keep things balanced. Oh, I love that. And I also love that quote as it applies to sort of the burden we put on ourselves of comparing our life to other people as well. Like always being distracted by, oh, look how well they're doing or look what they're doing and I should be doing that and knowing that every time you're spending your energy on someone else's life, you're watering their garden and ignoring your own. And if you just put all that energy and time into your own life, it would blossom even more because, you know, you have a finite amount of time and energy. So the only thing that's worthy of investing it is in your world, not in like everyone else's Totally. And also you can choose what you water. You can choose (laughs) what you want to put your effort and your love and your joy and like what you want to put your energy into. Absolutely. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. I cannot believe this was your first podcast. Yes, thank you so much for having me. You You were so articulate. (laughs) That was pig. What happened? You wanted it. Oh, she she ended with a bang. She, I know a literal bang. What did she do? She took out my lighting. <laughs> oh my god, she did so well the whole episode. She, she did so well, and she's come. Oh, now she's hey, barking. Gal. She's going. Yeah, I would meet love her? to meet her. Oh my gosh, I I knew that she had to make an appearance at some point. <laughs> Oh my god! Look at that little face. Pig's nearly fourteen. Pig. She's really old. So her real name's Jet. Oh my gosh! Hey, little girl. She's so sweet. She's so old, and she's deaf. She's deaf. Oh hey! You can't see that great anymore, but she still manages to steal food, don't you, Granny? Oh my god! Look at her. She's like, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it. (laughs) I'm eyeing off those carrots. Oh, Sarah, thank you so much. This was absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And for the first time, I mean, it's just been such a privilege. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'll uh, make sure to pop links to the Garden Morons Club and the course and your page and everything in the show notes. Thank you. That would be amazing. Thank you. What 
What an interesting human and fascinating story. This one could have gone on for hours and hours. I found it so hard not to keep digging into every little detail, especially as we were so lucky to have Sarah for her first ever podcast. Do go check her out and shower her with some love if you enjoyed the episode. Tagging in my patch and seize the A so we can reshare and keep growing the neighborhood. I almost can't fathom that there's been an earthquake among many other increasingly crazy things happened since our last episode. So do stay safe and look after yourself between now and the next one. (laughs) I hope you're all finding ways to seize your yay.